Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome to another episode of True Crime and Cocktails, Unsolved Mysteries Edition. How's everybody feeling? I hope you're all well. I am Lauren Ash, and as always, I am joined by my intrepid partner, the one and only Christy Oxborough. How you doing? I'm sorry to swear right out the gate, but I'm fucking great. Whoa! Uh, <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you why. Please. I've got two words for you. Yeah. No, sorry, I guess I technically have three words. Okay. Hallmark Christmas movies yes i i have been preparing a list prior to this i had just finished my notes and was ready to go and then i'm like i have a little time to kill before the zoom but not enough time to like really get into something else so i'm like what am i gonna do and i was like you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna go through this five pages i have printed out of the hallmark titles Mm -hmm. who is in them what day they air and then i make sure I check off the ones that I currently have access to and decide which ones are like the I have to watch first because I don't get a lot of time uh, to watch things and I could not be more excited. So I've planned out my weekend around these movies and I'm just buzzing. I'm so jazzed about, <laughs> about the buzzing, different ones. I'm so jazzed. I mean, could that be more cute? What I liked about this, what I took away from this was that on yeah. your sp- your spare time, what you like to do is yeah. make lists and then convert them into more lists. <laughs> A ranking system. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's some sort of spreadsheets potentially. That is correct. I do like to, I, I do have a Christmas spreadsheet so I can keep track of the ones that I watch every year and give them a rating so I know if I want to watch them again. You know who else does? My mother. Oh, Jesus. 
I just if people you know people yeah. who've listened to the podcast yeah. before they may remember us referencing like me realizing that you and my mom are so similar in in, in yeah. organizational skills and stuff like that and I am yeah I'm the flibberty gibbet a will of a wisp <laughs> a clown <laughs> oh. hey everybody loves the clown does everybody love the nerd no <laughs> it's sure. fine I mean I like making lists. I my husband had to inquire about my system because it looked weird and he's like there's highlighting there's crossing off there's circling and I was like well I highlight it once I've seen it I cross it like I check it to let myself know I have it and then I hi I uh, circle it when I really like the leads <laughs> and I want to watch it immediately so I'm I mean, a Hallmark movie nerd, so oh. it is what it is. I am who I am. I accept it. And I love that. And you know what else I love? Yeah. I love, the thing I love about Hallmark movie, Christmas movies, oh, well, all Hallmark yeah. movies. Listen, I'll watch any Hallmark, yeah, any Lifetime. I'm so into it. But what mm. I like about it is that it kind of can, it's just a low level, I almost, you almost feel like high. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's an easy yeah. watch. They lull you in. Yeah. You can you can doze off for a few minutes, come back. You probably <laughs> haven't missed much. I can no. be cooking. I can be cleaning. You know what I mean? Like, I just love the, like, yeah. energy of them on in the house this time of year. Yeah. It's not, it's not a puzzle, which I love a puzzle, but, like. Absolutely. It's, there's something about the magic of it. Like I was explaining to my husband when I was when I felt the need to explain my love of Christmas movies, which he's known this for over a decade about me. So it's not a surprise. And he doesn't care. I love what I love and he loves that. But I was talking about like outside the snow right now has a very like sparkly look to it. Oh. And I was like, I really love that snow. And he was like, OK, yeah, he knows I hate the cold. But he's like, OK, you love the sparkly snow. And I was like, yes, because the day after Christmas it's going to be brown, mushy hell. Like you're going to, you know, leading up to Christmas, the snow is beautiful and magical and majestic and it floats down. And then like January rolls around and it's like, well, this is a death trap and I hate it. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, I like yes. Christmas adds this level of magic. And so to be surrounded by it and almost every man in those Christmas movies is a thousand percent on board with Christmas. Yeah. Or if they're not, Spoiler, they will be. <laughs> That's safe to say. That's safe to say. My husband is not 100% on board with Christmas. He just, he doesn't care. Sure. And that's fine. We are opposites in that way. But I uh, I just love that every man on those is just like, I'm going to set up your tree. Is that all right? Do you want a second tree? And I'm like, huh, well, <laughs> I'm in love. <laughs> It's it's a lot. And then most of them have a dog and I just, you know, yeah. I love it. So it bring it fills me with joy. So I'm planning out uh my next couple of days cuz I want to make sure I get a couple in before I get back into more things I have to do and of course. Well, listen. It's just it gives me joy. I couldn't be happier. Yeah. And speaking of other things that fill you with joy, what you drinking yeah. over there? Well, <laughs> that was that was about as smooth as the Palm Bay I got. Ah, yes! <laughs> yes! I love yeah. it. Now, yeah. here's the joke. So oh, no. earlier today, Christy and I were doing a little True Crime of Cocktails press, you know, uh, press junket, a mini one, you know, yeah. which threw our computers, much like we're doing this. And I was talking about some of you listeners have been asking, you know, is there a recipe for a, a way we could do a version of our own Palm Bays? And as we were doing this press today, I said I, I was 
hit with a, a lightning bolt idea, light bulb moment, I was like, I should make a makeshift Palm Bay for the podcast tonight. Yeah. Easy peasy. Yeah. So already the clown turn begins. So I was out running errands and I was like, okay, I just need to go to the grocery store. I'll get some of the black cherry fresca and we'll be ready to go. So I go, I get the limes I want to get, you know, Oof. whatever. And then I, and then I get to the aisle and there's no black cherry fresca. And I'm oh like, you've got to be kidding me. So I went, I bought normal fresca, which is n- nowhere near I mean, it defeats the purpose. But anyway, and then I was like, should I add cherry to this? And then I was like, well, it is already a grapefruit flavor. We're, we're, we're kind of like, you know, we're butting heads with flavors here. Sure. I'll just skip doing it for tonight. I won't bring it up. And then uh, I'll order some from somewhere else for next week. So I go onto the Target website and I search for it. Not there. Doesn't exist. Oh, I oh, do, no. a, a, do a Google and I go to the Fresco website, okay? And it shows that they still make it. It is still a product that they make actively and they mm-hmm. actively sell. And you can put in your zip code. And you can choose the flavor of Fresca. They've got like four or five of them. And it'll show you all the places near you that sell that product. So yeah. I, I put in my zip code. I click within three miles. No merchants sell this product. Okay, within five miles. No merchants sell this product. Okay, within 10 miles. No merchants sell this product. So now I'm like, okay, I guess it's Amazon. I go over to Amazon. Do you think that they have it? No, they have a three pack where it's regular Fresca, black cherry, and like the peach. But it's 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 some exorbitant amount of money. It's like $40 or something for, for 36 cans. And I guess that's less, that's a, you know, just, just over a dollar a can. But for whatever reason, I got a block about it. Then I'm like, where else can I go for this? You know where it pops up? eBay. You know what pops up on eBay? You can purchase a can of black cherry fresca that was made in 2009. So <laughs> let me get this straight. It's easier for me to, to buy a, quote, vintage black cherry fresca than it is just a fresh one, which feels impossible. I just want to know, like, how far would you drive? At this point, I've got a bee in my bonnet pretty far. <laughs> I hate that I can't just get in the car with you and be like, I've made us a mix. Yep. Drive. <laughs> and we uh, we go to like every store possible looking for. Well, this is the joke, these... though. The website stops at 10 miles. So I was prepared oh. to go to like 25, 50 miles, whatever, but it won't let you search in those. So I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Long story short, way too late. Mm-hmm. What have I done? Well, in an act of re- resistance and rebellion, I put a little Tito's vodka over ice. Okay. I added, oh, can you hear that, everybody? Jiggle and ice. Uh, I, I added just a normal fresco, which of course is like a grapefruity flavored. Then I squeezed a bunch of lime extract and fresh lime. Let me tell you a little something. This is not <laughs> close to what a Pombe <laughs> tastes like. It is nowhere near it, but it's mm-hmm. delicious. It's so good that oh. then I cut, a, I cut a Starbucks straw in half because waste not, want not. Uh, yeah. I keep those and, and you know, reuse them. I cut this one in half. I gave my boyfriend a sip and he was like, I want one of those. So let me tell you, it is kid tested, mother approved. <laughs> <laughs> it's really yeah. good. Anyway, so uh, I, I, again, not a Palm Bay, not even close, but I would, I would challenge any listeners who want a nice random cocktail to try this out. Get yourself some fresca vodka, a little lime. It's nice. I find that fresh lime makes a difference. It does. 
it, it just you, does. you wouldn't think it does i even occasionally when i'm feeling splurgy <laughs> oh my my i squeeze a little fresh lime in the palm bay no way i just want to point out that i said splurgy about a fucking 35 cent lime <laughs> <laughs> Although, to be fair, at this time of year, they're like 68 cents. <laughs> what a nightmare. Well, when you're in a landlocked country. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's tough. Here, down here, they flow like water. But oh. uh, that's that's just how it is. Anyway, I, I had to share that with everybody. The, the true joke of me trying to locate Black Cherry Fresca. I had no idea. Maybe, I think I got into it when I lived in Chicago. Maybe it's more readily available in the midwest oh, i don't know but maybe? it's it's wild to me that they still make it they still sell yeah. it just nowhere near me that's crazy i'm pretty sure we can only get the regular up here mm -hmm. i think that's all i've ever seen i think so too but, but you know what this is i'm just sorry to interrupt you just made the penny no, drop no. When, when we went to see age of electric in vancouver we met yeah. in a hotel and yeah <laughs> We wanted to make these Freshka drinks. So I brought the cans of Black Cherry Fresca. Remember? I packed them in my luggage. Yes. And then I yes, said to did. Christy, can you bring limes? I can't cross the border with fruit. I yeah. said, can you bring limes, but also a knife? Because <laughs> how else are we going to cut them? And yeah. she did me one better. And, and, when and she then you said, and maybe a small cutting board, which I loved. <laughs> I was like, right. I'll pack that. Yeah. But long story short clearly she had the better idea which was she pre-chopped the limes and put them in a tupperware so we had beautifully freshly sliced limes uh in a tupperware ready to go i mean what a joke could you bring limes yeah. and a sharp knife and a small cutting board <laughs> which to be fair i would have done of course of course i would have brought a knife on a plane which is a terrible idea i would have put it in my suitcase but I also would have felt so weird about it. So I'm glad I thought to pre-cut. But also, if you're planning on having like a fun weekend and you're planning on the cocktails, pre-slice those limes because then they're just good to go. But you don't want to pre-slice them too early because then they dry out. And this So was, that's a tip for everybody. That's a great tip. <laughs> well, listen, the flight from Regina to Vancouver is what? Less than two hours, right? Or two hours? I think it's like three, maybe. Is it? Maybe even longer. Yeah. Really? I thought it was quicker than that. Point being, it's, though. From here to Toronto, it's like four hours. Yeah. And so I think it's close to this, almost the same. Huh. I don't know. I'm not a good flyer, so. Right. It's it's hell from the second we, from the second they close the doors of the plane to the second I'm walking out of the plane. I'm not kidding. Like, people, I don't like the... The takeoff, I hate. The landing, I hate. All of the turbulence, obviously, I hate. Just being in the air, I hate. And that moment when you hit the runway and it's super loud and you have this moment of like, we are going way too fast. There's no way we're ever going to stop. Yeah, I hate that the most. <laughs> Just can't stand it. You know, I used to be the exact same way. And then because of work, I had to travel so much that now it, it I really feel unaffected. Now I remember getting on a flight once, a very early morning flight, still drunk from the night before, 100%. And I was hurting and I... <laughs> turned to the flight attendant and I was like ma'am could you just tell me when I'm allowed to lay down because <laughs> I'm gonna probably fall asleep but I'd like to lay down 
So if you could wake me and let me know. And she was like, of course. <laughs> that's that's fantastic. Yeah. But listen, so that when you have people playing for your flights and you're flying first class, let me tell you, it's a different world. Different world up there. I can sleep I like bet. a baby now. Oh. I just need to look into the right drug concoction to make me... <laughs> Yeah, you know, fair enough. Supplied by a professional. All legal. You know, legal. That's what my thing is about this show. Everything I do and say is legal. Of course. Of course. Well, listen, speaking of the show, let's get into it. This yeah. week we're talking yeah. about Washington Insider Murder, the episode yeah. of the show. And when we were talking about this, we were thinking I was like trying to think about like, oh, what what story from our past together did this remind me of? And the, I texted Christy earlier and I was like, well, his body was found in a dumpster. Do we have any fun dumpster stories? And then I said, <laughs> fun dumpster stories? Like, wow, I've really lost my mind. But it does speak to our, <laughs> our shenanigans, I guess. I just want to say my initial thought was, if you do have a fun dumpster story, one, I am deeply concerned. And two, I desperately want to hear it. Of course. I I mean, a fun dumpster story. I mean, I like, I get where your brain was going with yeah. that, though. Like, I fully get it. But yeah, unfortunately, I don't think I've, I've ever had any fun or mischief around a dumpster. And you know what? That That's what tells me that we're still doing okay, you know? But yeah, yeah so people who are familiar with this episode, you'll know, and, and we'll get into a little bit of a, of a synopsis as we always do for those who maybe haven't watched, but it should be noted that the, the uh, unfortunate, the victim in this case, he was, it was New Year's Eve. Uh, when yeah. his body was found and he had been wandering around in the, the winter time. And so that made me think of the one New Year's Eve that we spent together, uh, which involved us taking a nap <laughs> at a party. It should be noted. Yeah. Yeah. My uh, boyfriend, now husband. Yes. Was having a party. It was our first, I guess, New Year's together. Yeah. You had come to visit. I think you should. I think you I want to say you were there like. 27th or 28th or something yep. and then you stayed through New Year's and we'd never done that before so we were so excited so excited and so I don't know if he was having a party before <laughs> or if if we convinced him we needed to have a party because we wanted to go have a party that also sounds right I remember yeah that. yeah yeah mm -hmm. so he hit him and his roommate at the time they threw a party uh we we're just so happy to be there that we got into the drinks a little scotch too early. And so there's a wonderful photo of us together having a great time at like 11. And then there's a very funny photo that my husband took of us at midnight spooning in his bed. <laughs> just <laughs> fully out, fully asleep, yeah. Yeah. spooning. It was just the best. And then the yeah. the follow-up to this, though, is that we eventually did wake up and rally. Yeah. The, and yeah. and at, 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 I think around 3 or 4 in the morning, we decided to walk back to your house for some unknown reason. I don't know why we didn't just stay. I, I really don't remember why that decision was made. I mean, it's it's always an interesting choice to choose to walk anywhere in the middle of the night, but certainly also in the dead of winter. Now, I will say that this was obviously pre-ride sharing, and uh, it's a smallish town. I mean, cabs are not easy to come by necessarily, and I think we more were like, you know, let's just, let's, you know, experience the magic of walking in the snow, yeah. which, bless our hearts, uh, I'm just <laughs> glad that we didn't end up, you know, 
<laughs> spooning in the snow. So you, me, in a snowbank. You know, I. I, I could see it. I could see it. Well, listen, on that note, let's get into it. Of course, as I have already mentioned, this episode is Washington Insider Murder. Quick reminder, everybody, True Crime and Cocktails on Instagram. Any visuals that Christy references will be put up there in the case file for the episode. So make sure you're following us there if you want to take a look at anything. Uh, so quick synopsis of the episode if you haven't seen it or you need a refresher. On December 31st, 2010, the body of former White House aide John Wheeler was found at a landfill in Delaware. During their investigation, police were able to retrace some of Wheeler's last steps with the help of security cameras. The last known footage of Wheeler takes him in a, in a hotel in Wilmington. So how did he end up in a dumpster in Newark? Great question. Now, I was a big fan of this episode. I know when you saw it originally, you were kind of maybe a little more lukewarm on this one, but this one really spoke to me for some reason. Oh, I mean, this one's got a lot of like, there's just so many layers to it. I think my issue was his given name is John, but he goes by the name Jack. And that really mm. was a big focus for me because I can't wrap my brain around it. Like, it's just... I've never understood that, and I it doesn't make sense. So that really took my focus off the first time right. I watched it. Right. And also, Listen, I, get that. I usually, the second I hear politics, I just go, oh, yeah, and I'm out. You know, like, just don't want to hear it. But yeah, this gives. Like, there's a lot of info to it, and he's just, I don't even really know how to handle it. Like, I I went into this because I rewatch to take my notes for us recording and yeah. so that it's more fresh than what it was. And I finished it and was right. like, this is just, this is just pretty much an old guy that had some things happen. So I don't know, this is going to be kind of disappointing. I don't know what I'm going to tell her. And like minutes before we recorded this, I comment made like the tiniest comment to my husband. I was like, so this case, huh? Insane. Right. I'm like, so this makes sense. And he came back with like this, like two words. And I just went, ah, shit. So now, <laughs> now I, I basically, I'm going to now spend the next like hour trying to convince myself which way this goes. I, so right now I'm theoryless. Whoa. Now, normally when we record these, you come yeah. in and you've already made your, you know, you've, you've, you've usually mm -hmm. researched a bunch of different options, but you've usually pr been pretty steadfast in what you believe. Yeah probably happened and what you're telling me is you're going to spend the next hour lawyering both sides of, <laughs> I mean, of this i did i've looked into multiple potential options as i always do but again yes right. i usually have there's one option that i'm like that's the way i'm leaning whereas right now i am standing so straight and not leaning in a direction and i kind of feel weird about it that i i feel uneasy that I'm just like in the floating okay. around in the world. I'm learning with everybody else. <laughs> I mean, I know everything that's here, but I need to hear it again to go. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my theory. So I'm hoping I have one by the end. Okay, of this. I. <laughs> I love this. I love this. Is a very special episode yeah. of True Crime and Cocktails because Christy's coming on the same ride that wow. she normally takes us on. So let's get into it then. I want to get into it and get all this info flowing so that we can see, you know, and, and I'll check in with you periodically to see where your barometer's at. So Yeah. Oh, oh, it's. Yeah. I guarantee I'm going to switch back and forth multiple times throughout this. I love it. So let's talk about John Wheeler a little bit. Obviously, he was, yeah. you know, 66, I believe, at the time of his death. Is that right? 
Yeah. Yeah. And he was, you know, there was there was a lot of things going on with him. He he was seems like such an interesting character to me. Well, tell me what you found out about him. I mean, the show pointed out some stuff, but there was so much. They could have spent that entire episode just going through his resume. Right. This dude, and forgive me because I can't think of a better way of saying it, this dude was like impressive as fuck. <laughs> this guy, like, he worked for three Republican administrations. Right. He was special secre- special assistant to the Secretary of the Air Force. He served for the Secretary of Defense. He wrote the manual on the effectiveness of biological and chemical weapons. And that ended up being something that, like, changed policies under Nixon Whoa, because of this. okay. He graduated from West Point. He went into the Army. He graduated from Harvard with a uh, Master of Business Administration degree. He worked for the Pentagon. He was senior planner for Amtrak, graduated from Yale Law. He worked for the SEC, the Security and Exchange Commission. He was uh, vital in the building the Vietnam Memorial. He was the first CEO of Mothers Against Drunk Driving. He started a Vietnam Veterans uh, Memorial Fund and also one for children. He was the president and CEO of Deafness Research Foundation, which to me is insane because he was not deaf. And I don't believe he had anybody deaf in his life. So I just found that interesting that, you know. And I mean, like this dude just never stop like I don't understand how like he had he had his career ready to go and then was like you know what I need law school and then like went to like and Yale law it's just this dude's impressive yeah, as hell he really is, is what I'm saying like now a lot of shit going I'm on. so sorry if you said this and I missed it because there was just he's yeah. done so many things <laughs> did he yes. was did he go to Vietnam was he in the Vietnam war is that why he uh, has an affinity for it he was he was I didn't say it so okay. good catch on that he was, um, I don't know how much action he actually saw, because that was in a note that I should not have erased, but he did go, and that's what made him so passionate about Vietnam and all of that. Um, but one thing, which I hope I still have somewhere, he, he, I'd said that he was part of, he was like the main reason why that Vietnam memorial got built. Apparently, people were like very against it, and I don't know if maybe it cost a certain amount of money right. or if, like, I don't know why the big deal was to be against it. Um, but a, but someone who was remaining nameless, who became a future senator at some point, called this guy at his house and his five-year-old son answered the phone and he told the child he's going to kill his father because he was so mad about this memorial going up really which is who who does that i mean future senators i guess i don't well, know who is the it's senator just, i don't know. oh you don't know no. i thought you were <laughs> i thought you were being coy <laughs> I, I wish that i was being coy wow at this point there is a lot of stuff in his background where you look into it and it's just like well and this person goes on to be a senator wink and then it's just like they won't tell you who it was. Oh, interesting. Because I assume it was like the people in these facts are like a good, like somebody now. Right. Not just like some boring senator we know nothing about. Right. I assume it's somebody important. So. Wow. 
I just find it crazy that someone would be like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill you kill him and it was over the vietnam war memorial which feels yeah i mean people also threatened to kill the dixie chicks at one point didn't they yeah you raise a good point (laughs) (laughs) now and again forgive me again if i if i just missed this but so at the time of his death what was he doing for a living he was working for a company called miter corp okay and he was doing like some sort of like online not online i don't know why my brain went there defense kind of why the word is leaving my brain he was doing online computery tap a tap type <laughs> defense Con- consulting it was consulting the word oh, no i guess fuck. not there's there's gotta be oh it's fine it. it's fine so they can they say he was a consultant to miter corp who are a defense contractor got it so Again, I guess a gov- still a kind of a government job at, at, at this point. Kind of. Right. I don't think he had, like, the level of power or interesting information at his death that he would have had, like, 30 years before when he was working with the president. Got it. Got it. Well, that makes sense. So, long story short here, he's got this... You know, arms long, huge resume. He's in a lot of things. Yeah. He has been involved, involved very politically with, with presidents, with the senators, all of the above. And at the time of his death, he was still consulting for a defense corporation, which is still, in a sense, a connected to government job. Yes. Got it. Okay. Uh, is there anything else we need to know about him before we move on? Uh, I don't think so. The The timeline... The timeline's a beast, so that's going to take us some time to get through. All right, well, we'll get into it. So December 26th, this is where the timeline begins. Boxing Day in Canada and uh, Britain and other places in the world. Talk to me. Talk to me about this. Now, remember in the episode, it, it, he was spending Christmas with his wife, and then the next day he was like, "I got because they had a, a place in New York City and this place in Delaware, right?" Yeah. And so they were in New York City for Christmas, and I think she was a little bit. She said in the episode, she was like, "I wanted to spend the next Boxing Day essentially with him," and he was like, "No, I got to go back yeah. to our other house." Correct? Oh yeah, she full admits like she was ticked because right. normally, because he's so busy and always on the go with work and doing stuff that the time between Christmas and New Year's, they that's when they get to spend together because there's not a lot of stuff going on. Right. So they like hang out and they go and see movies and she really loves that time. And he up out of nowhere was like, oh yeah, I actually have to go to Washington. And so she was really pissed and they actually end up uh, arguing via text and email for multiple days after he goes because this was a very unexpected uh, trip. And so he didn't say what it was for, but it's just, it's a work thing. And so I don't think she pries and just right. lets it go. But that same day, he emailed a friend of his who he knew from his time at West Point, And he expressed concern that the U.S. wasn't sufficiently prepared for cyber warfare. Interesting. So I find that crazy because there some sort of cyber defense thing is what he was working on at MITRE. Right. So I find it interesting that suddenly something happened that he was like something we're not ready. So I don't know what he found out. Right. Uh, so he says he's leaving. He boards an Amtrak train, goes from New York to Washington. Uh, it was weird because he had not mentioned it before. 
he usually at least lets her know in advance, but he did not this time. So she was a little kind of livid. Right. The next day on the 27th, he talks to his lawyer on the phone. His lawyer says, you know what? He sounded fine. He sounded his usual self. Right. The 28th, uh, somebody saw him and I think his credit cards proved that he had lunch at some metropolitan club or something in Washington, some place that a lot of people who work in and around the White House go to. Right. Then he gets on a train and goes from Washington to Wilmington, Delaware. And that night, police get a report that someone has thrown smoke bombs at the house across the street from him. Because where he lives in Delaware, there is a house that was being built at the time. And someone had thrown these smoke bombs in this house. It didn't do much. It scorched the floorboards, but that was about it. No fire or anything like that. And I remember in the episode they were talking about that he was angry that that house was being built there. Correct? Oh, yeah. 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 He was super pissed. Right. And we will get into that. Okay. Because there was a whole massive dispute with him. With him and that neighbor. And wasn't there, I mean, there also we some, can, we can just skip ahead and get right oh, to Oh, no, it. we don't have to, but but the only other thing I wanted to ask was, wasn't there also speculation yeah. that he had set off those smoke bombs? Yes. Okay. Because at the scene of that house, they found his cell phone. When he, after he went missing. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll come back around to that for sure then. Yeah. Okay. So uh, it's the 28th. He's back in yeah. Wilmington, and that's the night these smoke bombs go off across the street at this house that was being yes. built. Got it. All right. Yeah. What's next? Uh, so the 29th, he emails his family. This is now the last communication they have with him at all. He ends up going, They he's on a security camera going to a pharmacy called Happy Harry's. It has since become a Walgreens. Oh. So for anybody that's going to Google it, it was actually the last happy harry to turn into a walgreens so that's something yes yeah i I do have a map that i had uh not printed because i didn't think of it but i'll post it obviously online and it will show walgreens but just know it was happy harry's at the time (laughs) uh so he goes to this pharmacy it's his neighborhood pharmacy he goes there all the time because he's on a specific medication so they're used to him in this place so they know who he is right he goes in makes a beeline for the pharmacist And asks the pharmacist if he can drive him somewhere. Now, this I find fascinating because my question is, why? Like, at this point, he's in an area called Newcastle. And he's looking to get a ride to Wilmington. Right. But, like, I get asking somebody you know, but why would you go to somebody who's at work? Yeah. Who very obviously can't just up and leave work. Right. For a ride. So that's already not right with me. And the pharmacist is like, well, I can't take you, but I could get you a cab or something. And he's like, oh, no, I don't need it. And then somebody in the in the pharmacy hears him say he wants to go to Wilmington. They're like, I'm actually going there. I can just take you. So he goes with this person. We don't know who this person is. I tried finding out who this person is so I could background check him. Yeah. But I have no idea. But he got there, but it's like seven miles from the pharmacy. So it shouldn't have taken very long to drive. But yet he's not seen again for another like 40 minutes on camera when he's seen at a parking garage because he is looking for his car because he's convinced it's there. And he tells the attendant that's working 
Someone has stolen my briefcase. I just want to get to my car. But his car isn't even in that parking garage. He happened to choose a parking garage that was right next to the courthouse instead of one that was like several blocks away that was the Amtrak station parking garage, which is where his car was. But okay, very quickly. Yes. So he took the Amtrak train on December 26th. Yes. And apparently he's looking for the car December 29th. So did he have the yes. car between the 26th and the 29th? Was it, had he left it for three no. days? Uh, his car actually was left at the Amtrak station on December 13th. He got a ride to New York to spend Christmas with his family. He got a ride from some neighbors, I think, who were going. And then he just basically took either a cab or the train any other time. So his car, they have said his car is used, like they're used to it being left there for quite a long time. It's interesting though, if he took the Amtrak back. Now I know that they talked in the episode that he was notorious for like losing his car. Like he would park it somewhere and he wouldn't find it. Like this is not abnormal for him. But it is interesting to me that he, he was at that Amtrak station on the 26th and yet he still left it for three days. Like, how was he getting around for all of that time? I guess cabs, because again, this was pre, pre-Uber, pre-ride sharing. Now, my, with that in mind, my question yeah. is, what happened on December 29th prior to 6 p.m.? What got him to that pharmacy? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I mean, I've seen reports that said that, like, he uh, called a taxi to pick him up. But the time frame doesn't seem to match for me. So I didn't feel like that was that was sketchy to me to know if that actually happened. I don't know what he did mostly throughout the day. Like, I know that he contacted his family in some way. So I assume he probably emailed them from the house because at this point he didn't have his phone because he lost it the night before. Right. Potentially setting off those smoke bombs. Right. But, okay, there, I mean, this continues to get confusing. Yeah, well, let's keep with going. things that So he does. He, the next time he's seen on, on security camera footage is at the parking structure near the courthouse, so not where his car yes. was. So he, right. he takes the, he gets the ride around 6 from the pharmacy yeah. to, we're assuming, somewhere near that parking structure because it's 40 minutes later that he's seen on camera. Next. Yeah. Okay. But this time, by the time he's seen on camera, now he's only wearing one shoe. He's carrying the other shoe around. I don't think he has a coat at the time. He might. I can't remember. But, like, he's walking around carrying a shoe and he's just repeatedly saying to the attendant... I've someone's stolen my briefcase they've stolen it I'm not drunk they've stolen this thing from me and I mean numerous people in his life were like he wasn't a drinker so um we just assume he wasn't drunk but it's just so weird to me to be like well this was stolen there are there is Amtrak footage of him from the station leaving the station with the briefcase so he did have it at one point where it went I have no idea was that footage on the 26th when he got back uh, yes. Okay, so he had it on the 26th, and somewhere between then and the 29th, he's he's lost it or it's been stolen. Yes. And from my understanding to this day, they've never found it, so I don't think he left it at home. But it's very possible he left it somewhere. Who knows? He could have just, like, 
left it on a curb because he was looking for this, like to go to a pharmacy and be like, pharmacist, I need a ride. I assume he used his name, (laughs) but like, I need a ride. It's so weird to me. So I don't know if I would trust that. And the fact that he was notorious for losing his car. I'm not surprised he would lose something as small as like a briefcase. Yes. And I guess it is also feasible that perhaps his wallet was in the briefcase. So he doesn't have a credit card. So he can't necessarily call a cab. He doesn't have an ATM card. So he can't get cash. He can't charge it. I could see him needing the ride. Did, he did have he did have cash on he him. He did. Well, then that blows that out of the water. Well, that was my point exactly. I was thinking like, why? How is he doing anything without like he has no money? Of course, he's going to be looking to people for rides. But they say he was found with an undisclosed amount of money. That's interesting. And why not disclose it? That sounds like he maybe had well, a lot of money on him. The thing is. They, this is the kind of stuff they would put in the autopsy report. I am not alone in saying this. There are some people online who share my feelings. We are dying to get our hands on that autopsy report, but they're not releasing it. They're barely releasing anything. So they're keeping it like very, even like this late in the game. They also refuse to release any sort of toxicology report. Well, listen, and I may be getting ahead of myself in, in your notes here, but I do think it is important to note that he, he was bipolar, yeah. and so he was on it, yes. on medication for his bipolar disorder. They yes. talk about that in the episode. And it's interesting because the people that knew him and that, that saw that footage of him where he's talking to the parking attendant and he's very flustered, he's got one shoe off, they were like, it did not seem like him. Like, he seemed, like, very scared was what they kind of, I, I remember yeah. in the episode saying. What do you think? Do you think it's possible he was just off his meds and having a manic episode? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, I don't have uh, a lot of experience with that. But he, he was on lithium. Okay. This is something he's been doing uh, for decades because he's had this for most of his life. Um, and from my understanding, he was, he didn't none, he was not found with any pills of any kind on him so who knows how long he went without it right and so i kind of think that he was in the middle of something and he was there was a definite i mean obviously i didn't know him but looking at that footage that to me was a man that was just purely manic right in that moment and like i know the feeling of like when when you're in an extreme emotion you're at like the most peak you feel you could feel that emotion suddenly you just think of everything that like, especially like when you're sad, you think of everything that's worse to make you feel even worse. And it's like a weird thing. So I can't, I can imagine in a manic state that you would make yourself worse and worse. And the, the idea of him being like, I can't find my car. And then he's like, Oh God, I can't find my briefcase. Someone must've stolen it. And so I think he was just for lack of better words, I think he was having a bit of an episode. Is well, what I think. and that's completely plausible. Again, you know, his family was very open about the fact that he did uh, have this um, mental illness. Now, very quickly, because we I know we've got a lot to get to, but I, I'm already concocting my own story that I feel like okay. you're not you're not going to be on board with. But to me, and listen, it could it could just be as simple as, and I and listen, I shouldn't speak to to the the specifics of bipolar, and, and I also. I'm 
certain that many people's experience with bipolar is different than the next person's. Not every two people sure. are alike. But if there was this state of mania, if there was the potential of paranoia, again, I don't know if that's a, an official symptom, but but let's just go with this. Perhaps he was carrying a large amount of money because he, you know, there was, he had some thought that it was like he had to get that or whatever. Then he panics. He doesn't want to have the like record of him taking a cab. He just wants to take like an undisclosed car. But the story that I'm creating is that, you know, he went back to Washington before he was supposed to. He had this secret business thing going on. He potentially had a large amount of cash on himself. He didn't want you know, any sort of record of him getting in a cab necessarily, perhaps there was supposed to be some sort of trade-off. Are you, are you going to say hookers? I was not! <laughs> oh, okay, okay. But have you thought about that as an option? I have now. I mean, doesn't want to be traced, doesn't want his movements known. He's already pissed at his wife. They're having a bicker back and forth. Has to get back. Has, like, nothing but cash on him? That's interesting, too. I mean... I mean, let's just think about Washington it. Washington is no stranger to a sex scandal with hookers, so I, that is not uh, too far huh? off the mark. I, yeah, okay, let's put that... That's something, I'm so sorry. No, yeah, yeah. I think I love this. We're brainstorming. I love it. But, yeah. but I'm just like, is it feasible that he had gotten himself into some sort of shady deal? He was being blackmailed or bribed or something. He was supposed to meet somebody with the briefcase with this information in it, he lost it, and then he's like, oh, crap, I'm, like, on the hook to these people. This is the story I'm starting to build. Look, you said I wouldn't like it, and I think I do. <laughs> it's it's very, like, movie. It is. It is. So I could see it, but, I mean, you never know. Because it's more than possible. I don't know what he had. It's so sketchy that he all of a sudden is like, I have to go back to work at a time where he normally wouldn't work. Yeah. And the fact that he then went to Washington and was only there for like a day and a half and then was like, meh, instead of going back to New York to like see my wife for the remainder of this holiday, I'm going to go to Delaware. Yeah. Alone. Which makes me think of Wayne's, isn't it Delaware Hi. that they mentioned in I'm Wayne's in World? Delaware, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, there's another thing coming up that, right. uh, well, let's get back into it. Also, not make sense. Okay, so December 29th, he's on this, he's, there's this footage of him freaking out about the briefcase. What happens next? Yeah. Okay, uh, so after that, that's the last we see of him that day. December 30th, he emails MitreCorp to tell them that his home's been broken into, his cell phone, badge, key fob, and briefcase are stolen. His neighbor, who in uh, Newcastle, Delaware, uh, who's considered a caretaker of the house because they live in, they have multiple homes, so he's not there right. as often. So this guy watches out for the house. He sees a window is open and... Uh, he decides he's going to check on this because I believe in the episode, he says, like the good neighbor that I am or whatever, but it's like, eh, you were just nosy and you know it. I, it takes one to know one. <laughs> so he sees this window open. He sees part of, I think a side door was kind of open too. And so he goes inside and the house looks like it was ransacked. Like there's powder all over the floor. There's footprints. There's spices everywhere. There's 
like the plant's been knocked over. There's broken dishes, all of this. We will get into the break-in uh, in a yeah. bit. So I guess like the break-in almost kind of corroborates his, my house was broken into, all of these items are gone. Right. So, okay. So the, so the neighbor contacted the police and the police were supposed to uh, deal with that, but they had not yet. Then in the afternoon, he goes to visit a law firm that was on the 10th floor of that Nemours building that he was found uh, wandering. There's footage of him at this building, but he went to see his lawyer who didn't actually work at that. He worked at a law firm in the building, but not this law firm. And so when the secretary was trying to help him, he ended up just like leaving before she could help him with anything. So he's seen around 3.30 by someone passing by in front of this Hotel DuPont. Then at 8.45 at night, he's seen on video cameras in this Nimmer building. He's wandering around. He's looking confused. His jacket is gone, and now he's wearing a dark hoodie. And then a witness claims that at 11 p.m., this person was hailing a cab to Newark, And he claims that somebody matching John Wheeler's description overheard him and was like, hey, I'm going to Newark. Can I split the ride? And the guy said yes. Police aren't aren't sure if, if it was actually him that he saw, but the fact that he ended up in Newark seems like it probably was him. Right. Also, why Newark? Yeah. I have a lot of, like, as far as I know, he had nothing there. Right. But, and then the next morning at 9.56 a.m., his body was found at the landfill. In Newark. Because at the, yes, because at the, at the landfill, they, they have to, they always have to worry about people dumping things illegally. So they have somebody whose specific job is to like watch when the trucks get dumped so that they can make sure nothing coming out is not what's supposed to be there. They saw the body and things stop. They uh, found out that based on like the garbage in and around him, that most likely he came from one of the 10 bins in a very specific location in Newark. The thing that then gets weird for me is multiple places say at that point, then the justice of the peace issued a search warrant for his home. Keep in mind at this point, he's not wearing a wall. He has no wallet on him. But they immediately knew who he was. Interesting. That's weird to me. Yeah. And then they, it also is telling me multiple places say that the police impounded his car from the Amtrak station that same day, which I also found weird because he usually leaves his car there for lengths of time all the time because he forgets where his car right. is. So I find that interesting because then it's not till the next day, January 1st, when the police get search warrants for his car and his cell phone. And the police claim they didn't identify him till the 2nd, which I also find interesting. That is interesting. Something else I find interesting, when uh, the body was found, the police made their first call to John's daughter. John was married before the wife he uh, had in the show. Yes. And they had twins together. They divorced. He met this woman, Catherine, in 93, 
and she had two kids from a previous marriage. They ended up uh, getting along. They got married. But years later, they his daughter is his like next of kin emergency contact. That's weird. I find that fascinating because I assume when he divorced, he would have changed it from his ex-wife. Right. But why in the like 15 years did he not change it to his current wife? Well, and he was a, you know, yeah, and he was a guy that was doing a ton of work was seemingly very organized, very knowledgeable. You know, it does feel odd that that wouldn't have been something that he would have thought of. Yeah, I'm it just it shouldn't have struck me, but it did. Yeah, something. No, it's it's weird to me. I get that you might forget and not change it, but it's just weird. So then the daughter gets told about it and she had to contact his wife about it. But his wife was out of town because they were supposed to attend a cousin's wedding. They had plans to go to this wedding. He had like fucked off and went to Washington. And so she was mad at him and she's like, "Ah, well, I guess I'm going alone. And it's like, but isn't that weird that he wouldn't go? Yes. And that at this point... He lost his phone, so they have not now spoken in like two or three days. And she still doesn't find that weird. Well, that's weird to me. That's very weird. And I think we're going to have to get into that and a whole lot more after we take a break. Go refresh your drink, have a tinkle if you need to, and we'll be right back. Hey everybody, we hope you're enjoying this episode of True Crime and Cocktails and wanted to let you know about a few important pieces of information. First of all, our shirt sale is back. That's right, for a very limited time until December 7th, you can order one of the very first pieces of True Crime and Cocktails official merch. We've got hoodies, we've got t-shirts, they're super cute and comfy. Go to bonfire.com slash true dash crime dash and dash cocktails. That link is also available in our Instagram bio at True Crime and Cocktails on Instagram. So give us a click. Listen, we are a 100% independently produced podcast, so you buying this merch really does help us keep this show going, and we love making it for you, so support us if you can. Also, if you're looking for any visuals Christy references in the episodes of the show, you can visit our virtual case files on our Instagram account. Again, that account is at True Crime and Cocktails, and there are even bigger virtual case files that she uploads to our website, truecrimeandcocktails.com. So if you want a little bit more, that's the place to look. Also, you can view our unedited Zoom episodes on our website, again, truecrimeandcocktails.com, and give us a follow if you haven't already on Facebook, at True Crime and Cocktails, and Twitter, at Not Detectives. Whew, that was a lot of information, but listen, we just want to be able to connect with all of you because we love all of you so very much. But enough about all of that. Refill your drink, and let's get back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. So, when we left off, we were talking about the weirdness about why John Wheeler's, you know, next of kin or the phone call was to his daughter rather than his wife of many, many years at that point. So let's get into his wife, Catherine, because I think you and I both kind of had like a visceral reaction to her. I will say like, I did find, I don't know why, and listen, maybe I'm crazy and I would be very curious for all of you listeners out there, email us, theories at truecrimeandcocktails.com. Tell us what you thought. Because for me, she was being so effusive on those interviews with like how much she loved him 
and what he meant to her and how angry she was at him and all of those things. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, it just felt like a lot. Like, I was like, my lady doth protest a little too much. What did you think? There was, it was hard to put a finger on, but there was something off. There was something I didn't care for, and I don't know what it was. And I, I'm sure that grief does a lot of things to you, but there was just... Sure. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's... People are going to be like, she was a sweet old lady, you guys. What's wrong with you? Sure. But sweet old ladies also commit crimes. I'm not suggesting <laughs> that she did this. I'm just suggesting it there's something feel interesting. about her. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, when he was, when his body was found, she was conveniently out of town. Right. Yes. So whenever I hear that, again, this is from watching too many mm-hmm. shows, mm-hmm. I'm sure. But I'm always like, oh, you made yourself... A pretty like airtight alibi didn't you yeah I just can't get behind and I mean there's other things that I'll get into but I just it's the thing that's the biggest red flag to me is she saw the videos of him walking around you know with holding on to just one shoe like walking around in one shoe wandering and like just like yelling this has been stolen I'm looking for my car like not even closed in the right spot and the first thing she told police was well he looked normal for him at least and it's like how does that look normal uh then a few years ago she gave an interview in 2017 and said that she then believed he was in the midst of a bipolar episode and so that explains the erratic behavior And it's like, well, what erratic behavior, Catherine? Because you told me, not me, (laughs) you you told police originally that it looked normal. That's just who he was. That's Mm -hmm. interesting. The story changed. The other thing, and listen, this may be way too simple, uh, but the other thing for me was it is Christmas. Yeah. Okay. And... I would also be pissed if I was in her position, but I guess and like call me crazy. And I know I wasn't married for like the, you know, 15 years or whatever they were at this point in their relationship. But like, why didn't she go back with him? Like why? why and I, I know maybe they had other children there or something, but to me, she was talking about how upset she was that he was leaving yeah. and that she really wanted to spend more time with him. I didn't hear anything, and listen, that doesn't mean it wasn't true, but I didn't hear anything about, like, well, we had guests, so I couldn't leave. Like, there was part of me that was like, if it were me, and it were, were my partner, I feel like I would have been like, okay, well, I'll go with you, and and you're not working 24 hours a day, right? right. Like, doesn't that seem odd? I assume that the children were in town. Maybe the children aren't always in town, or I assume they were planning on spending time with their kids who were pretty much adult at this point well they were adults in 2010 they also like they had a a cousin's wedding that was i think the cousin's wedding was on new year's eve and so they had already rsvp'd that they were going and when she didn't hear from him for multiple days she just was like ah well obviously we're still fighting so she went without him which can i also just say that if it was my wedding and there was somebody who just didn't show and i'd already paid for that plate of food i would have been pissed enraged (laughs) yeah right i also Um, would be super pissed as the wife to have him like come in and be like oh yeah we're gonna go to that wedding and then you trying to contact him and being like hey are you coming to this or not 
because it was out of town. So she had to know when to leave. And it's like, would you assume he's going to meet you there? Do you assume he's going to come to New York and then travel with you? So it's like, it would have, I would have been stressed out the whole time in trying to decide, like, when do you just up and decide to go by yourself? Yeah, and also, and I understand that there was some level of him, her attempting to contact him during that time, but my like if it were me i'd be like like he he lost his cell phone sure but did they have a landline at the at the house i mean they're older people at the time it feels like there's a good chance they could have probably yeah right so do don't you need a firm answer about whether or not somebody is accompanying you to an out of town wedding like it just seems odd to me that she was she would just write it off and like oh well i didn't hear from him so i guess he wasn't coming so i just went without him like I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with I agree with you. I just think there's something off there. And that doesn't prove that, you know, she created committed a crime or was involved in the crime. But it does just feel, again, a something. little bit weird. Yeah, yeah. She had also said when the police uh, took on the case that she said that her and her family were treated like criminals. The police were rude to them. They made their lives miserable. They confiscated the credit cards, financial records, and John's computer. In the weeks after they confiscated this, some of the cards had mysterious charges on them, like two plane tickets from New York to Madrid for $3,000. So I'm dying to know, because I can't find anywhere, when were those charges made? Was this like something yeah. he made on like the last day before he lost his wallet? Or, you know, like I'm I'm very curious. I have a lot of questions well, about that. That would play into my theory that he was involved in something and was terrified. And he was like, I got to get Catherine and I out of town, out of the country for a while. Well, him and Catherine that would play are into him and that. his hooker. <laughs> I can't let it go. <laughs> I can't let it go. Well, but then also, or was it Catherine buying those tickets for her and her lover? Was she having an affair? Why was she okay with her husband taking off like this Mm. and being out of communication for multiple days and just not coming to this wedding? Was she checked out of the relationship? Interesting. Which, again, does not prove murder at all, but it does, it would make sense, again, or bring some sense to the fact that Again, it just, I don't know. And listen, again, I, I've never been married, but but as a wife, maybe you can comment. Like, I just don't know that, because that, you guys have been married for 10 years. Yeah. Would you, yeah. like, would you be okay? And I understand that the dynamic is different because they lived in multiple places and whatever, but I feel like if you couldn't reach your husband for multiple days leading up to you guys going to a wedding together, I just feel like that would be, like, a huge deal. Like, not just like, oh, well, I guess I'll go alone. Right? I... If I couldn't reach him for even 24 hours, I would be beside myself, which sounds yeah. crazy to say out loud. No, I don't think it does, but though. Like, I don't think that's crazy I, at all. I couldn't, like, the multiple days, I would be in a full panic by then. And then to know that I need to go to this wedding. If I'm going to this wedding, I have to go now in that moment. And it's like, he's not here. I would be so pissed. Yeah. I don't know if I would just be like, oh, well, I guess I'm going without him. I'd also be pissed if he was like, eh, I'm going to go to work. But again, like, I don't know what, if this was that normal for them. She admitted it right. wasn't normal for him to take off 
right after Christmas. That wasn't what he did. So it's weird that he did. So that was obviously out of character. Yes. And then that proves, with using her own words, if she's saying this was abnormal behavior, at least during that time of the year, then that proves that this would not have seemingly been something that she was like, oh, well, like, you know what I mean? Like, like right. again, to your point, it's like, well, which is it then? Was it normal behavior of his to disappear for days at a time? Right. So you weren't alarmed or was it not? Because you said it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Do you have any other dirt on her? Did you ever find anything else? I mean, this isn't really dirt, but one thing she said when, when his body was found, the police originally said it looked like a heart attack, which is amazing because he was very, very beaten. <laughs> like, so, oh. but they were like, it's probably a heart attack. They did the medical exam. They find out the medical examiner put it as blunt force trauma. They found out because the it was a story on the news. So the police didn't tell them they found this out watching a random news story. Oh, so God. I find that crazy. But also, this has nothing to do with this story. I just find this wildly fascinating. So in 1995, and this was, at, so at this point, she would have been dating John. They wouldn't have been married yet. Her sister, Catherine's sister, Emily, was murdered. She... Uh, was stabbed 50 times in her own home. Whoa! And it went unsolved for over 10 years. It has since been solved because it turns out her son was a bit of an addict and somebody, one of his dealers, came to the house uh, looking for a $20 drug debt. Oh, God. And they killed her over it stabbed her 50 times for 20 bucks that's awful yeah. oh my goodness oh yeah it's a horrific thing um the thing i find i i don't know if unsettling is the right word but this woman had children uh obviously i mean she had the addict son and then she had a daughter this daughter in 2007 opened a one-woman show based on the story <laughs> Where she played all the characters, like her mother and the killer and all of this. It was called uh, The Magnificence of the Disaster. Wow. She said it was very cathartic. I'm sure. I'm sure. So she's it's an actress a... or or did she just do a one woman show? I think she just did the one woman show. God bless. Yeah, well, God bless. That's a level of confidence I achieve. Would like to achieve. <laughs> okay, so a couple of things I take from that. One, yeah. so Catherine has experienced this huge amount of loss. Even if she wasn't close to her sister, I, I don't know if she was close to Emily or not. That's a huge thing, a huge trauma to mm -hmm. to endure. Again, building this kind of storyline that we've been creating, where for whatever reason we just don't trust her, it does feel odd that someone had gone through that type of trauma would be rather blasé about somebody doing something that they don't normally do, not being able to be in mm -hmm. touch with them. I mean, again, everyone's different, but that feels like, you know, something to note. And then the other thing I wanted to mention very quickly, you said that the cause of death was listed as blunt force trauma and that he was badly beaten. Yeah. But didn't you also say earlier that he was found with an undisclosed amount of money on him? Yes. So that tells me a few things. Mm -hmm. If he was beaten to death 
but he still had cash on him, then it isn't a random crime. Or or you wouldn't think that it would be a random crime because yeah. you would think that somebody who would beat up an old man in the middle of the night would probably be trying to rob him, correct? You would think so, yeah. So that means that whoever beat him up, beat him up with the intention of inflicting harm. Now, is it possible, you know, like you know, Michael Caine uh, says in, in, <laughs> in The Dark Knight that some men just like to watch the world burn? Is it possible that someone just beat him for kicks? Sure. Don't pardon the pun, kicks. Thank you. But doesn't it also feel... I, that's just a really weird thing to me because you would also think that if it was a hired hit that they would take that money to make it look like a robbery. It feels very odd to me yeah. that he was beaten to death, but he still had the money on him. Because A, if it was random, you would think that it would that would be a part of it, stealing, yeah. robbing, whatever. And mm-hmm. B, if it was a hit, you would if it was a good hit person, yes, person, not, not necessarily a man, yeah. um, that they would take the money to, again to make it look like a robbery. No? Yeah. He also had a Rolex on and he was wearing his West Point Academy ring, which according to some dude online, uh, he said that depending on the year, those things can go for upwards of like $11,000. Jeez. Because they have a, a some sort of fancy stone in them. That's weird, isn't it? So it's like, what if you're going to, nobody's going to, I don't feel like it could have been a random mugging or robbery because they left everything on him. Right. Now, I know that they also talked in the episode that there was a possibility that he had, had crawled into the side of this dumpster for warmth. Sure. Um, that, that apparently they talked to one of the, the um, waste disposal guys in the episode, yeah. and he was like, it's not abnormal for us to find homeless people and, and whatnot in these in these specific dumpsters like the one that he, he had come out of. Is it possible he could have had those injuries from the fall from, you know, because he was in the dumpster and then it got turned over at the landfill and he fell out. Is it possible, do you think, that those injuries could have been inflicted that way? Or or was this definitely a beating, in your opinion? This is exactly where my quandary came in. Because I said, I, I came into this like, he's an old guy that was having like a bipolar episode. Right. Wandering around, very manic carrying just carrying a shoe around sleeping overnight in the basement of a random building even though he had cash and he could have gone literally across the street to the hotel if he wanted there were hotels otherwhere or taking a cab home or like there are so many things he could have done like yeah sure he might not be able to find where he lives but i'm sure he knew the address right so he could have he could have there were multiple things he could have done but he chose to do these things and we'll get into why I think that is. I was like, I, I was just like, well, to me, this is what it is. I think it was late December, freezing cold. He barely has, like, he has a hoodie and a dress shirt. So that can't be very warm. So I thought maybe he gets into this dumpster for warmth or shelter or something. And then gets caught up in the truck the truck compresses and that's where he got these injuries from and my husband was like well but you're gonna know the medical examiner will know if the injuries were before or after his death like was did he die in that they they should be able to tell if he died in the truck or if he was dead already before he got into the truck and again 
they are keeping a very tight lid on that autopsy. I know like a little, like I know some of the details, but they're not being very forthcoming and it's disgusting. I'm so sorry. Do they not know I have a job to do? Yeah, exactly. The people are counting on you. I know. So I guess the answer to that question is is that it could maybe yes, maybe no, right? If we don't if yeah. we don't have access to the the medical examiner's report, yeah, it could go either way. Yeah. Now I, I should also mention which night was it because I don't know whether we 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 made this clear or not. Which night was it that he slept in the bottom of that building? Was it December thirtieth? Uh yes, right. So that 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 time that he was. There was footage of him wandering around the day that he was at the law firm and everything. He basically yeah. spent the night in the basement of that building, correct? Yeah. They said that, they they won't admit to what, but they said that they found evidence that someone had spent the night there. So I guess my next question also yeah. is what time did he leave there to then get to Newark to then get into the dumpster to then be found dead in Newark at 10 o'clock the next morning. Like what's how, do you know what I mean? Like how much time do we lose? Like when was the last, what was the time the last time he was seen on those security cameras? Cause he was walking past a hotel on the 30th, uh, the 30th. Yes. So how much time? 8.42 PM. He was seen on security cameras heading East to like, a side of town that's known for not being the safest. And then that was the night that at 11, a witness claims that they shared a cab to Newark, but police cannot confirm that that was John or not. Okay. Or just somebody who looked like him. So let's say for argument's sake, that's true, that, that he was seen getting in that cab and that he did take that cab to Newark, which does seem to kind of track because he was found in Newark and how yes. else would he get there? It would be a wild coincidence if that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, if he didn't take that ride. Okay. So let's say that true, that that's around 11 and then he's found dead at 10 o'clock the next morning. Yeah. I have so many questions. Why was he going to Newark with money on him? Was that where he was, you know... How was he communicating potentially? I love that I'm just stuck on like, was there some sort of trade-off supposed that's supposed to happen or not? Was he afraid to go back to his house? This is another question that I have because it seems very odd that somebody who has cash on them, like you're saying, yeah, not only did he not check into the hotel that he could have in that area, but he could have paid to take a cab home, which says to me that he was somebody that didn't want to be found. Now, I know that we're there's the possibility, of course, that this was just a manic episode or maybe, I don't know, whether sure. he was suffering from anything else at the time. But if we take that off the table for a second, it does seem like a man who was trying to hide. Like, there's not a lot of other reasons sure. that you go and sleep in the lower floor of a random building, right? Yeah, I'm curious about his choice of that building. Right. Like, I don't understand what else could have been there. Like, his lawyer is there, but... He only tried the once to go to a law office. He didn't go to the right one, but he tried to go to talk to him. So I find it interesting, like that particular lawyer was dealing with the dispute he was having with his neighbor. So this is the person across the street. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the house is being built. It was basically like a parkland, right? And this was a parkland that he really valued or thought was beautiful. This house went up and he was pissed. Yeah. So this couple, Frank and uh, Regina Marini, they were they had the plans to build a three-story house 
across the street from where uh, the Wheelers were living. Right. So John claimed that the area had great historical significance. He said that the colonists and the revolutionaries had a defensive battery there. Uh, He filed a lawsuit challenging the zoning approval. Uh, He threw himself into this massive legal fight with this couple. Uh, He got 82 residents to sign a petition opposing it in 2006. So this like goes back several years. uh, He formed a group called Save Battery Park in 2009. Him and his wife accused these people across the street from of improperly uprooting trees and so he was just he did not want this house being built and his main defense was this is historic ground how dare you do this the truth is that house was gonna kind of block his view of battery park and the river so because of that he but he can't just outright say it right so he's gonna try and back it up and then it was the night of December 28th that right. someone threw smoke, smoke bombs into that building that scorched the floorboards and his phone was found at the scene. His wife has even said, like, he was very, very passionate about this specific, like, house being built and all of that. So it is more than possible he had, like, a moment where he went and threw smoke bombs to try and Where do you purchase a smoke off? bomb? <laughs> That's a great question. Like, I, how do I you saw, just have access to that? I saw, well, I saw somebody online. Well, these particular types of smoke bombs are used to, like, scare rodents out of your oh. house. So if I had to guess, I'm going to say probably, like, a hardware store. Okay. For the sake of, like, dealing with rodents and stuff like that. So I could see that. But there was, I wasn't going to say it because I couldn't back it up. And you know that I like to be able to back up my information. Of course. But a witness claimed that they saw somebody, like, they saw the silhouette of somebody dressed in black throwing those uh, smoke bombs. And somebody else claims that there were receipts at John's house for, like, a ski mask and black clothing that he had purchased like that same day. Whether that's true or not, I don't know because I couldn't find a second person. The thing with this case that drove me insane, there are so many conspiracy theories about it. Like there are websites and blogs dedicated to this, but yet most of the stuff that people say, you try and Google it and you find nothing else. So you just can't right. back it up. So it's tough to know how much they know and then how much there's something else out there that maybe somebody took offline somewhere. You know, like you don't. Sure. It's tough to know what level of crazy I need to get to to figure it out. So it's uh, it drove me kind of insane. Because I like to know things. Of course. Well, I my next question, because yeah. I like to know things, is mm-hmm. the break-in situation. Because the thing yes. that hit me when I watched the episode and they were talking about the break-in, and listen, maybe again, this is me a born skeptic, but I was like, yes, that could have been a break-in, but I was like, the, the way that, like, why destroy the kitchen spice rack? Like, there was part of me that was like, this looks like it could have been staged. It looks like either he could have done this mm-hmm. or someone could have come in and done this and made it look 
like it was, quote, a break-in. Because to me, again, I'm like, when you typically see break-ins, I'm no expert. But I don't sure. know that the kitchen, like the pantry, is what people are going for, right? Well, especially because, like, there was a can of Comet that had spilled to the ground. And so there was, a like, a couple of footprints. The same person. But, like, so there only felt like there was one person. And also, if you're going to break into a house, are you going to do it barefoot? You know? So I assume... But also, like, plant is knocked over. The spices are spilled all over the place. It looks like someone picked them up and just threw them in a rage. Plates are smashed in the sink. And then a can of Comet just, like, knocked over. And then he had, like, a um, a ceremonial cadet sword from West Point that was laying on the floor. But, and so it, to me, it looked like what somebody would think a struggle looked like. Right. You know, but also at the same time, like as a redhead, which (laughs) I've never had to use, but it feels, I can't wait. Right. I've been known to have just like, a scotch of a temper. Sure. So I know that moment where you're feeling just pure rage. Sure. And my favorite thing to do when I feel pure rage, I like to throw things. Hmm. I mean, I recall once in my late teens, maybe very early 20s, uh, a boyfriend at the time had upset me. I can't remember what he did, but I'm pretty sure he cheated or something awful. And so I uh, hung up the phone. I took all the picture frames in my room that I had of him, walked downstairs, opened our back door and threw them (laughs) into my backyard. I was living at home at the time. And my, (laughs) my mother, the next morning, I come downstairs and she's like, so... I let the dog out this morning (laughs) and that was my moment of realizing there are picture frames in our backyard. And I just went, ah, yes. (laughs) I am like, we, uh, disagreed. And she's like, "Mm mm-hmm. Like, just like, yep. Okay. Duly noted. And so I just, when I saw this, where it was like plates in the sink, and spices thrown around, my instinct was like, either someone's trying to make it look like a break-in, but doing a very bad job, or looking like some sort of scuffle or something happened, or someone was in a fit of rage and just started throwing things and looked around and was like, ah, well, that's embarrassing. And so they're like, oh, it was a break-in, you know? Yeah. I just can't tell, did they do it? to make it look like a break-in or did they make, did they, did it happen? And then they use the excuse of a break-in. I can't decide. Here's a theory. Mm -hmm. Let's say he just randomly lost his suitcase, his briefcase. Sure. He realizes this. He freaks out. Maybe there was something very sensitive in that briefcase information, access to something that it was like imperative that you don't, let this get into the public or you know like it was you know top secret for lack of a better term he that could drive him into a rage what an idiot i am i can't believe this he throws some shit around and then he's like shit what am i gonna do like this is this is a problem yeah 
I'll say that there was a break-in and I'll say that these things were taken and whatever. And then, you know, again, then that could lead to paranoia, not wanting people to follow you, being worried about like mm-hmm. what's the fallout that could happen because this briefcase has been lost with, with sensitive information in it. What do you think about that? I like that a lot. Right? Uh, I've seen people on, like, well, a couple people online claimed that floorboards had been pried up in the kitchen, but none of the photos show that at all, so I don't right. really believe it. There was even somebody who claimed... Because John Wheeler was part of a was featured in a book about um, the Vietnam War, and someone claimed that book was conveniently laid out on the counter. It was not in any of the crime scene photos either. Crime scene photos I will post. I'll probably post some of them on Instagram. Most will be on truecrimeandcocktails.com. But yeah, I absolutely believe that uh, he could have lost it. And was just like, I've lost this. Because at this point, he also would have lost his cell phone. Because I'm sure he didn't know he dropped it. Because if he did, he wouldn't, he'd just pick it up or go back and look for it or something. Right. So I feel like at this point, it's like, he's lost the briefcase. He's lost his phone. So he just kind of snaps because he's lost all of these things. What the hell is he going to do? And so this huge mess. And then he next morning, he emails the company Oh, I've lost all of this because of a break-in. Now he's kind of got a paper trail showing there's a break-in. But when you have a break-in, don't you phone the police? Because he did not. Right. He didn't even tell his own wife. Like, he didn't say, like, hey, we had a break-in at this, at the house. So that, to me, screams it wasn't actually a break-in. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I would go so far as to say I think that's probably true. Now, we need to wrap it up pretty quickly here, but uh, what are the rest of the... You you mentioned some conspiracy theories. What are some other theories that are floating around that that you found? I mean, there are a few people online, and I could find nothing to back this up, which doesn't mean that they're wrong, but it also doesn't help me prove that they're right. Um, There are people... They truly believe that this all connects to Enron. Oh! Yeah. Because John, I can't recall exactly what he had to do with it, but him and there was a guy who was an FBI Wall Street informant. There was a guy who was like a bodyguard and a, quote, collections guy. There was, like, all these people that were involved in some way in Enron all died with like the most random reasons. Um, one guy was like shot by the mob, it turns out. Oh, wow. One guy died of a heroin overdose, but like so much heroin, it was like insane that he would have that much in his system. And according to friends, he never touched heroin. So it was a weird thing. They're saying all these men had bank accounts in Panama. I don't know if I believe that. I could not find anything about John Wheeler having bank accounts anywhere else. So right. I don't know. But also one of the guys, the guys that the guy that they're like, he was a bodyguard for somebody who had to do with Enron. He died in a plane crash, a very famous plane crash, because another victim in that plane crash was Aaliyah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So it's like 
All right. So like people are like, he died in a mysterious plane crash. This guy died and ended up at the landfill. This guy had a mysterious overdose. Like people are claiming they all had something to do with Enron and they think that John Wheeler discovered something, but it's like, what would he have discovered? He had nothing to do with anything in that area at this point in his life. So I'm not really convinced that that, I mean, they make a solid argument, but they don't have the facts to back it up. They're like, look, it's very obvious. And it's like, it's not because I Google so much of it. And there's like, there's no rights on any of it. I've considered if it was like a robbery or like a mugging of some sort. But again, he had cash and his ring and the Rolex, which is decent money. And they left all of that. I've considered, is it like a contract killing or a murder? Well, he was, his behavior was erratic. Like he was all over the place. He was visiting places he wasn't usually at. So if someone was going to like follow, someone would have had to follow him for multiple days to find him. But why then wait the multiple days? And if you're going to take him out, take him out when he's like quietly in that basement of that building not at a security camera. Right. Make it look like he died in his sleep or something. Like, they have ways of doing that, right? So I just feel like that's less likely. People wondered, is he like, was he attacked in a bad neighborhood? More than possible. And then they put his body in a dumpster, I guess? Which you would think, like, at that point, it's like, what difference does it make if you leave him there or not? They ended up tracing him back to the dumpster, So they know where he was, but it's just weird to me. And then also like, yeah, take the money at least to make it look like a robbery. But well, yeah, it's and if it was again, if it was just by chance, I feel like the chances that he would get beaten to death in, quote, a bad area. Like, I, I, I think the reason why people get beaten in those situations is because they're getting robbed. I don't think that there's a lot of just Mm -hmm. just for fun beating people to death. Sorry, I just don't think that that's a motivated killing or even just a motivated beating you know yeah um because again like was he drugged that's another people a lot of people seem to think he's drugged and that's why he was being so erratic but again no toxicology reports ever been released so i don't know i mean he was acting weird so maybe but at the same time he was on a medication and he wasn't found with the medication and he hadn't been home for multiple days, so we know for sure he hadn't taken it for, like, two days. Right. Who knows? Maybe, like, it's possible he gets home, realizes, oh, I need my pills. There aren't any here. Oh, shit, I should go to the pharmacy. Shows up at the pharmacy and is all like, ah, shit, what did I want? Right, I want a ride. I need to go to Wilmington. I need to get and my so car or whatever. he goes and... He suddenly is changing his mind and is all crazy and acting uh, unusual. There is also the possibility that he went into the dumpster of his own free will for the sake of like, it was very cold and he wanted shelter. Deaths in like from a homeless people going into into, a dumpster for shelter and then dying because they don't hear the truck coming and they get put into the truck and they uh, suffocate or get uh, crushed is so, so common. It happens all the time. It's 
horrifying to even just Google, like, the amount of stories that come out every year. So it happens all the time. So it is more than possible. From the only autopsy stuff I can find is he had a collapsed lung, broken ribs, swollen lips, an external neck injury, lacerations, contusion, a soft tissue hemorrhage. So it's like, so he was, it seems like he was beaten, but I'm just like, so say he was asleep in the dumpster. He gets picked up, put in the back of the truck. Could all of this have happened from the machine? I don't know. Well, because we don't know the official time of death, we we can only speculate on that, certainly. Wow. Now, last question for you that I have. Is there anything, was there anything else going on for him mentally? We know he was bipolar. We know he was off his meds. It seemed very plausible that he was having a manic episode. Was there any sort of other things going on? Dementia, Alzheimer's, anything like that? Or, Or speculation about that? The speculation about that comes from me. (laughs) okay gotcha gotcha because i mean i've looked into uh i i looked into bipolar disorder because i don't know a lot about it he specifically had bipolar one disorder okay which is defined by manic episodes that last at least seven days and that's like nearly all day every day kind of a situation and somebody like we're talking like abnormally upbeat or jumpy or wired a decreased need for sleep which you can't tell me he slept a lot in that building he can't no easily distracted poor decision making you know like wandering around aimlessly going to a bad side of town not just making the right call of going to somebody and being like i'm lost or i need help or something he was taking lithium as prescribed by his doctor when you stop taking lithium cold turkey it can make your symptoms worse. Mm. A, 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 a psychiatrist I found said, long-term use of drugs like lithium causes your brain cells to compensate. It's like water building up behind a dam. If those drugs are stopped suddenly, symptoms come back even more severe than when they were at the start. So Well... And you know what else is interesting, too? And I don't know if there's any science behind this, but go with me. I have heard of cases where people are alcoholics that stop cold turkey. Like, I'm talking hardcore alcoholics. If you stop cold turkey, you can have a heart attack. You can have a stroke. Like, because your body has become so used to having an intense amount of alcohol every day, if you stop it really quickly, it's very dangerous. Hence why, obviously, you know, People who are are going into rehab, you do detox first so that you can be slowly kind of weaned off of sure. whatever it is. My question is, if he was on lithium for God knows how long, decades of his life, and he stopped it cold turkey, much to your point that his symptoms would be increased, could it have given him a heart attack? Could he have had a stroke? Is it possible that, you know, that it was... A combination of these things, you know, was it possible that maybe there was something sensitive in that suitcase and he freaked out and then ended up in this kind of bad situation and then his heart gave out? Like, is it potentially a combination of these theories? You know what I mean? Oh, it could absolutely be. Like, I'm the reason I was so convinced and spoiler alert, still am uh, that it has something to do partially at the very least with this bipolar he was like really, really pushing conspiracies. Like a couple days before he goes missing on Tuesday the 28th, 
he posted on a forum for the, uh, I think it was the West Point uh, alumni board or something like that. And he was complaining about college sports and how corrupt the management is. Mm. Just randomly about college sports. Right. And then his big issue in the moment, as he had told his wife, his big issue about the house being built across the street, he said the only reason that it was being allowed to be built is because of corrupt politics. Like he just kept like, there's just so much corruption and he's going to get behind it. And his wife said that uh, at the time of his death, he was computer hacking, which I love because he'd become obsessed with investigating all of the officials in Delaware because he was convinced that all of them were corrupt and that's how this house was being built. So I find it like somebody just like a little extra paranoid right. and is seeing all of these things. Dementia was another thought. Someone who can't keep track of a wallet or a purse. They travel out of their neighborhood. Problems with their short-term memory, like not remembering appointments. He didn't seem to recall he had a wedding to attend. Right, right. So it's like, and for four days over Christmas, a neighbor said that the TV was just blaring night and day in the house, even though it didn't seem like anybody was home. And for part of that, he was in New York, but it's it later came out that they found out that John had left the TV on. So he left the house, like even though the TV's super loud, he was just like, oh, yeah, it's fine. And didn't think to turn it off. So I truly believe there was some sort of like, maybe he was heading towards dementia. I mean, he was 66, but dementia can come on even earlier than that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It totally. could have something. There could be like an Alzheimer's kind of situation involved in this. It's just there was something like they played it off about him not finding his car and he would forget where his car was for days and it would get to the point where he'd just have to take a cab home and it's like that's not a cute thing to me that's something to be worried about and I get that she could be like oh he's been doing that the whole time I've known him and it's like well there is also things like early onset Alzheimer's and stuff like that so it's like at some point Suddenly just not remembering where you parked your car for days is just not very cute anymore. Well, yeah. And I think that somebody who's prone to stuff like that, like, for example, I have lost my car in parkades before. I've parked and then been like, where did I park? But because I've done that, I have systems now that that I do when I park. Like, for example... Whenever we frequent Disneyland, I take a picture. As soon as I get out of my car, I take a picture of of what the exact row and aisle is that I've parked in. Like, That's smart. It doesn't hold 100% water for me either that it's like, oh, this is just this quirk that he's always had. It's like, okay, again, that doesn't necessarily mean that he has some sort of early dementia or something like that. But certainly somebody who's prone to that behavior, regardless of the cause, whether it's just a quirk or it is dementia... You make plans, you have, you know, different systems that you put in place so that you can locate your own vehicle. (laughs) Yeah, especially if this is something you do all the time. And especially as a guy who travels a lot for his job, who seems, again, very on top of things, who seems like he's a very intelligent kind of person. It just seems odd that 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 would be a thing, but who knows? All right, we got to wrap this up, but I got to ask you, because I know you were on the fence at the beginning, and I feel like you're still on the fence now. Where do you stand about this one? 
I've circled back. <laughs> I, I, I went into this thinking the the seeing an older man shuffle around because that's the thing he wasn't walking like right. he was kind of sort of walking in the pharmacy video but then the other videos like he was like shuffling along slightly limping carrying a shoe at some point he lost his jacket like to me it just looked like an old man that needed help right it looked like he might have been freaked out but he looked just more like he didn't know what was going on so i'm leaning more towards he was off medication that does not do good things to your system so he wasn't quite figuring things out i can't figure out if it was did he get in that dumpster on his own for the sake of like it is also possible if he was fully manic in that moment it might not have looked like a dumpster to him. He could have seen a door and been like, I'm going to go in this house. Like, who knows what he was thinking. So he could have gone right. in on his own and then ended up in the back of it. Who knows? Like, maybe he had some sort of heart attack and he was part, like, right. couldn't couldn't do very much, ended up in the truck, couldn't do or say anything, and that's where all of his injuries come from. I don't know. I don't think somebody attacked him and then put him in the dumpster and then just like took off like that feels like for what like it just well when there was no sense to me yeah when he wasn't robbed it doesn't feel like it was motivated at all yeah beat up an old man and dump him in a in a a dumpster uh listen i mean it goes without saying i have to say obviously it's so such a sad so terrible story i mean this is obviously a war veteran, somebody who has spent a lot of time doing public service and, and serving this, uh, you know, America and, and his country and whatnot. And and um, it, I'm so sad that there wasn't someone that could have helped him during that time at any point. I mean, I remember watching the footage on the episode of the parking attendant and he was, you know, he had a shoe in his hand and he's like, someone stole my briefcase. Yeah. And I was kind of like, why didn't that person do more? Like, I, I don't know. Like, I understand that maybe it was scary um, because this person was very manic and, and all over the sure. place. but. I don't know. For me, I just feel like, you know, taking the, the one thing that I, I took away from watching that was like, I think we need to maybe um, have some compassion and 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 try to help, especially our elders in those situations, maybe a little bit more. I don't know whether there was any follow up about that person that you had found or anything that, she that attended. Did, uh, she did specifically call her boss and her boss ended up coming down to deal with him and like the the boss like offered to get him a cab, offered to contact police, offered all of these things. He even offered to drive him somewhere personally. Wow. And he declined. And there are multiple witnesses who ran into him and offered to help him because they said something didn't seem right and he declined them all. Man, yeah. well, listen, I, I commend them then. I take that back. I commend them that, did, that maybe people did try to make an effort, but it still is such a sad outcome and, and so tragic, obviously. Uh, it's it's this is a real thinker and and listen it's it's very intriguing to me that they've not released any of the kind of medical examiner reports i feel like for me i think the truth is somewhere in the middle i think that it all has to be factors it seems very odd that somebody who had you know had very high ranking kind of political uh history would just kind of randomly die in such a bizarre way 
yeah. feels like uh, you would think that there would be some intrigue involved. But again, I think it could be a little bit of both. Could be a little bit of that and a little bit of, of the other. And and unfortunately, it ended in tragedy. So uh, Christy Oxborough, as always, amazing research. This one I was very excited about and you did not disappoint. <laughs> it was it was it was a tough one because, yeah. again, the conspiracy theories about this. And I think mainly because he has such a heavy political background right that people just were like well these are all our stories and i'm like okay but what about this and then i see people who come forward and they're like well what if it was you know part of a mental illness or something like this and people are like oh well what kool-aid are you drinking and then it's just it becomes a whole thing where everybody starts attacking the person who's like well what if it's not a conspiracy and they're like oh it is so yeah. it's it's so tough to it's tough to background check a conspiracy. It yeah, turns out. it is. Yeah. And it should it is also important to note, too, that that lots of people live with bipolar and, and live completely normal lives. And, oh, and yeah. you know, the, the kind of, you know, I don't want anyone to think that we're like, oh, he was bipolar. So whatever. Like it, it was no. the, the type of bipolar he had, the fact that he was off of his medications. Like there was a lot of factors here that make it feel like that could be a part of this. But in no way are we suggesting that, you know, no. that, that that this is just, oh, he was just bipolar and writing it off because that is not oh, the case. No. And, it's just and, seeing uh, a guy walk around with his shoe. Yeah, it does feel weirdly, like he was There was something yeah. about that that felt off. Well, thank you again so much. I appreciate your research so much. I do have to announce something exciting. Listeners, listen up. Next week, we're doing something a little bit different, and that is we are tackling our very first Dateline mystery. I was watching an episode of Dateline, which I love so very much. The episode is called Hope Whispers, and when I watched the episode, I immediately texted Christy, and I was like, you have to watch this, and you've got to get your research going, because it's a case that's very recent, that thus far they have not been able to solve, and I am so excited. She watched it, and she was like, are we doing this? And I was like, <laughs> I think we need to do this. So yeah. if you're in America, you can watch the episode on Hulu. Uh, if you're not, I'm assuming uh, you're resourceful. Look for it. Um, again, it is Dateline. <laughs> the episode is called Hope Whispers. If you can't find it, don't worry. We will recap it and we'll make sure to go into great detail because we know we're we're deviating from our normal uh, kind of go-to episodes here. But I'm really excited. We're going to do something a little different. And I'm so excited to find out what you find out about this case. I can't wait because I it took everything I had not to Google while watching it because right. I wanted to know like what can I find out while I'm watching it because it is I mean it may be something a little different than what we do but it is on brand for us because it is oh. bananas. <laughs> yeah. It is crazy. The only way it's off brand is that it's just Dateline and not Unsolved Mysteries truthfully because yeah. it is an unsolved mystery and it is definitely up our alley. So everybody yeah. get ready for that. If you want to watch ahead of time, again, Hope Whispers is the name of the Dateline mystery. Christy Oxborough, thank you as always. Such a pleasure. Such a joy. The highlight of my week. You kill it every time. Oh, I just, I just love seeing your face. You know? um, ditto. For any of you listening, if you have a theory about this or any of the other cases, email us theories at truecrimeandcocktails.com. We are going to do a fan theory episode. We keep teasing it. It is coming. I promise you. <laughs> but we want to hear from you if you have your own theories about any of these cases. And of course, truecrimeandcocktails.com, truecrimeandcocktails on Instagram. You know all the stuff. And if you feel so inclined, leave us a nice little review on Apple Podcasts. That goes a long way. Christy, do you want to say goodnight to the people? Good night, people. Good night, everybody. Bye. 
Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500.